Hello and welcome to another InventRight TV show. I'm one of the co-founders here at InventRight. My name is Andrew Krauss and we have Brad Cohns, one of our amazing coaches on today. And what he wants to talk about today, hey Brad, um, hey. is two things that people before they become InventRight students or when they're just working on licensing their products, whether regardless if you become a student of ours or not, are worried about are filing a provisional patent application if you haven't done it before, and then two, reaching out to companies. So Brad, these are two things that people, um, they're not necessarily in the right mindset. They're worrying about things that aren't really a problem. Um, and we're just gonna help them out a bit. Um, yeah. Let's do PPAs first. So what are people thinking they have to do when they file a PPA that's not true? And what's the reality of filing a PPA and why is it pretty freaking easy once you get used to it? Yeah, that's a great question. I'd say the biggest hangup most people would have is they look at an actual patent. You know, if you look up a, a patent on Google Patents, you'll, you'll see all of those, you know, all the verbiage and, and you'll think to yourself, I can't do that. Uh, and you don't have to. Like, you, can, you can use software. You know, we have the smart IP software you know, at InventRight that walks you through it step by step and, and teaches you how to write a solid PPA. And, and that, that's how I encourage my students is, is don't, don't, don't look at the, you know, the whole PPA and you just gotta take it one step well, at a time. I mean, I agree with you. People go on Google Patents for the Patent Office site and they look at patents like, whoa, this is like another language. But they I don't think. know that when you write a PPA, it can be written in common English. It doesn't have to be written like that. So because, if they know that, it's like, oh, a PPA looks different than a, than a patent application on the patent office site. Yeah, it really does. And, and when you file the PPA, no one's even really going to see it. So it's not like if you have a typo in there, it's going to be the end of the world. I mean, we want you to write a solid PPA. But, but yeah, I, I think you don't aim for perfection with PPAs. You, you just want to write something solid to well, get you to the next level. Let's ask that. Has, to your knowledge, has it ever bitten one of our students in the butt that they didn't do their PPA perfectly? No. And no, not they, to my knowledge. Yeah, not I mean, to mine either. And I've been the co-founder for 22 years. <laughs> but people really worry about that. We get, we get a, a small percentage of students get really obsessed mm -hmm. with the provisional patent. And to the point at which a small percentage of them, I have to talk to them. You are, you've had a few students you've sent over to me and I've talked them yes. off the ledge. And, and I say, look, filing a provisional, 80% of it's just being an inventor. You just got to think about the variations, workarounds, improvements, include those other variations. And a lot of inventors don't do that. And you could brainstorm that with your coach. You could go, what are the other product variations here that could right. be included, you know, and covering them because a lot of inventors don't do that. And then our smart IP software handles the, the wording Mm -hmm. And then between those two things, I have students that don't have a GED. They don't have a high school degree, and they're able to file it just fine. So um, it's not this terrible thing that people think yeah. it is. It's more of a mental hang-up, and yeah, it can, it can really just stretch out and take weeks or over a month, and it doesn't have to. It, it could literally you could be done with it in a few days. So do some of your students get too lax with it and then others get too obsessed and most are in between? I've seen a few <laughs> students like, okay, you need to spend a little bit more time thinking that through. So we, and that's what we do. We always, we very, we emphasize, all the coaches emphasize variations, workarounds, improvements. And all our coaches are inventors, so you're very creative. So when somebody's got this doorstop, you could go, well, that could be done like this or this. 
one thing I always say, Brad, is inventors, they lose their creativity when it comes to filing a PPA because they've been inventing it, thinking about it for so long, and they're not, they're like, no, this is what it is, this is what it is, and they're not thinking about those variations. Have you experienced that, that they have a hard time getting outside the box? Yeah, sometimes they do, and I try to tell them, you need to be just as creative, you know, when you're writing your PPA because you want to try to, you know, prevent a workaround. So, you right. know, try to try to broaden it out so someone couldn't work around you if they wanted to. Knock and, yourself uh, off, basically. Yeah, it's the worst case scenario, but yeah. still. It, you know, it's kind of fun when you think about all the bells and whistles your product could have and things like that. And you can add that in your PPA. Okay. So, PPAs, not so scary. Anybody can yep. file them. They can be written in common English. It's not yes. going to look like what you see on the patent office site, like a regular um, patent. So don't freak out about that. So how about reaching out to companies? People are really fearful. You mentioned to me, you said sometimes I get students, they'll rip through the steps, but then they'll just be like a deer caught in headlights <laughs> yeah, when it comes to... Headlights. And yeah, what do they do? So you, you have like a meeting and like they didn't get it done. They didn't reach out. And what happens when they when that happens? I've had, I've had some students say, you know what? I, I just didn't realize this was going to be such a problem for me. Like they just... They obviously never never done phone calls, and they there was just some fear. I mean, almost like fear of speaking, you know, public speaking. I think they can kind of put that up there on that pedestal of public speaking, even though it's just one on one with someone on the phone. Mm -hmm. There's just a lot of fear that that can build up in your mind, and and we're here to you know make that fear go okay. away. So how do you help people deal with that? So there are different ways to reach out. Is there some techniques for kind of getting going without making phone calls yet or? Absolutely. You know, I'll tell them to try to try to connect with people on LinkedIn first. You know, that, that's still a, a personal approach because, you know, they get to see your profile, you get to see theirs um, without actually talking on the phone. Mm -hmm. Same with email. You, you can create some some dialogue back and forth through email so yes if students have a really hard time or have high anxiety uh, talking on the phone i'll direct them to linkedin and email first once they get more comfortable with that you know obviously you're not going to get every single company on linkedin or via email yeah. sometimes you just got to pick up the phone does that make them a little bit more comfortable to get on the phone now because they actually got some feedback like they talked to some companies they realized they're not saying terrible things. and <laughs> Yes, I think it kind of gets them over the hump. They'll see that yeah. you know, there's some potential interest and then it excites them. And then, you know, it's my job as a coach is to kind of get them over that hurdle. Like, okay, well, if that excited you to get that initial interest, you know, how much more is it going to excite you to get someone on the phone and start talking terms, start talking mm -hmm. a licensing contract? And so you, you just got to, you got to see the, the, the end you know, the end goal, you got to keep that in sight as you're going through some mm. of the things it may not be as fun. You know, I think a lot of inventors, they love the creative aspect. And mm. I, I'm, I'm one of those guys too. I, I can spend so much time in the inventing parts and working on the sales sheet and the marketing material. But you know, some of these things like calling companies, working on the PPA, it may not seem as fun. And, and I tell students, you know, you don't have to like it as much, but you you still have to do it. I mean, pretty much guaranteed to not be just as much fun. I've had some students <laughs> saying, I've had, I've, we've had some students in the past that are like, they were terrified of making calls, and they broke through that. Now they're like, I love it. 
this isn't most. And then others are like, you know, I don't really love it, but I know I need to do it. I got it. I'm not worried about it anymore. But I've had some students, they're so energized by overcoming something they were so fearful of and now being good at it that they almost enjoy it as much as the inventing. I would say that's a small percentage. I would say most people... (laughs) <laughs> most even our coaches, most people like still nothing is as much fun as coming up with the idea and, and brainstorming it. Nothing. And I think people need to accept that. They do. Yeah, um, just come to terms with it. it. It's just one of those other steps you have to do. You know, if if everything was easy and everything was fun, you know, everyone would be doing this. But yeah, they're not. so it, it it takes that persistence and dedication to get through some of those things you don't necessarily love to do. To, to see that end result. So when you get people comfortable using LinkedIn and you're trying to get them on the phone a bit, do mm-hmm. some, some people are still like, oh, no, I just want to – some of those same people will just want to do emails. And then when you, when they get interest and and you're like, you're going to get them on the phone, aren't you? You're gonna... Yeah, I mean, eventually you're going to want to get them on the phone to start talking you yeah. know, terms and, and all of that. But if they want to try to do it through LinkedIn and email up to that point, you know, I'm okay with that. But I still yeah. want to plant that seed that you do need to talk to them on the phone at least once or twice. Yeah. So, so, so baby steps. So for those of you, whether you become a student of ours or not, if you're afraid of reaching out, if you reach out via LinkedIn, via email, might not be quite as scary for you. Um, you're still going to get what you perceive as rejection, but it's not really. It's just um, no's or no response is really common, right? It is common. Um, yeah. And so get, get used to that. Which is another thing they need to get used to. Um, why are why are they fearful about reaching out? They're fearful about being rejected. Maybe somebody saying the idea is stupid. Um, maybe somebody not being polite to them, hanging up or something like that. Um, what are some other things or you think people are fearful? What's going through their well, heads? I, know, I, th- I think you answered most of them, but literally a lot of those are just just thoughts. I mean. If, if someone's in the business, they're going to be professional. Whether they say it's not a fit, I've never had anyone tell me this this idea is terrible. But you know, like you could think that, oh, that, they may they may think this idea is terrible. Right. You know, you're really just conjuring up those thoughts in your head. You know, people, the other thing you and I were talking about sometimes they're fearful of getting interest. Oh, but what if I get interest? What what am I going to do then? So I and then they're <laughs> just they're not reaching out because of that. Yeah, that right. that can happen. I've seen it happen multiple times. So I think it's good for you, for those of you that are watching, maybe you haven't started doing this. You have an idea and you haven't started reaching out. But I think for uh, Brad to address these things, for us to address these things, we're helping you get out of your own head in a Mm -hmm. space that you're probably going to be in soon anyway, at least to some extent. Sometimes people have these thoughts and they push past them, right, Brad? But a lot, most inventors don't because most inventors come up with ideas and they never really push their ideas out in any significant way or at all. To mm-hmm. companies, so this must be a major issue for most inventors. It we even know what it is. Yeah. They got to get out of their comfort zone, and and that yeah. that's our role as as coaches to help you get out of that comfort zone and move on. Well, you know the other thing they need to accept that they need to get out of their comfort zone. Some people think like, oh, I'll just get some company to sell this for me, and they end up with these invention promotion scam companies, right? I'm not going right. to say anything in particular about them. And, and, but because they're so fearful about reaching out, and we're here to tell you guys you can do it. You really can. Um, start out small, um, but don't push out just one or two companies, right, Brad? I mean, you always push out to a bunch. Right. Um, yeah, as many as you can. Yeah, that as makes many sense. as you can. So thank you so much, Brad, for your insight. 
Remind everybody to take care, keep inventing, and we'll catch up with you next time. See you guys. There's a great idea in each of us. But it's truly magical to see it come to life. Sharing your creativity with the world has never been easier. We can help.